the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 1, question and answer 2. I'll read the question and then we'll read aloud together the answer in response. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has delivered me from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, also assures me of eternal life, It makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Question two. How many things must you know to live and die in the joy of this comfort? Three. First, how great my sin and misery are. Second, how I am delivered from all my sins and misery. Third, how I am to be thankful for such deliverance. And now we'll have our scripture reading from Psalm 71. And I'll start at verse 9, continuing where we left off to the end of the psalm. So Psalm 71, 9 to 24. In our Bibles, that's found on page 907. Do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. For my enemies speak against me. Those who wait to kill me conspire together. They say God has forsaken him. Pursue him and seize him, for no one will rescue him. Be not far from me, O God. Come quickly, O my God, to help me. May my accusers perish in shame. May those who want to harm me be covered with scorn and disgrace. But as for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteousness, of your salvation all day long, though I know not its measure. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, O sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteousness, yours alone. Since my youth, O God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds, even when I am old and gray. Do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. Your righteousness reaches to the skies, O God. You who have done great things, who, O God, is like you? Though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. You will increase my honor and comfort me once again. I will praise you with the harp For your faithfulness, O my God, I will sing praise to you with the lyre, O Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you, I whom you have redeemed. My tongue will tell of your righteous acts all day long, for those who wanted to harm me have been put to shame and confusion. So far the reading of God's word. May the Holy Spirit add his blessing to it as we consider the thought of resting in our one and only comfort that we have in Christ. Well, loved ones, this year in Times Square, they encouraged people to write their hopeful wishes on little pieces of paper 
their wishes for the year to come, and they threw them in the air when the ball came down for the celebration at New Year's to, to bring in the new year. And their wishes flew like confetti in the wind. In an opinion piece that I read from the Washington Post, one author says it this way, for most of us, 2022 seems about as predictable, predictable as confetti in the wind. We have an understandable craving for cosmic assistance these days, assistance from above, even if you don't believe that is what she's saying. The pandemic and political instability have eroded our already fleeting sense of control, leaving many of us feeling extra vulnerable and shaky. We're drowning in facts and stats and analysis, and yet those do nothing to mitigate the angst. A very fitting uh, description of where many of us, I think, feel we are. So how can we mitigate against the angst? What can comfort our weary hearts? What can make us feel secure and stable in all circumstances in this year to come? Well, that's what this first question and answer of the Heidelberg Catechism is really all about. Finding and resting in the comfort that we belong to Jesus, our faithful Savior in body and soul, both in life and in death, now and forevermore. And tonight I want us to meditate briefly on this truth that we find in the Heidelberg Catechism, but also in Psalm 71 here, and also glean from it practically how this ought to help us in our current moment as we start off this year, 2022. And I want us to kind of go back in time a little bit. Do you remember how two years ago, we entered into 2020. So before COVID, right? We had no idea. We had no idea all the tragedies that would befall society and all the decay and everything that has happened since. We had no idea that life would change as we knew it, right? And then do you remember how we stepped into 2021, feeling as if we were kind of submerging out of a deep plunge underwater, we were kind of grasping for air with the optimism that we might find some normalcy again. We might get back to normal. And we hoped that maybe we would be done with COVID and all of that mess and get back to normal in 2021. And now here we are, a year later. And the whole year of 2021 has come and gone and things are still a mess, right? So how do you feel now? How do you personally feel? Where is your heart? Are you optimistic or are you cynical? Are you joyful? Are you fearful or perhaps depressed or despairing? You know, I think all of those states of mind, they make sense. They are common. This is the human experience. And even the poet theologian who wrote Psalm 71 here felt and experienced those very same things. We can look at that Psalm where we see in verse 1 and 13, he reveals that he was afraid he was afraid of being put to shame by his accusers. So he had, he had fear. In verse 4 and 10, he finds himself in the hands of wicked people who are evil and cruel. People that mocked him for his faith and conspired to do harm against him. And so he felt powerless in the hands of those who had authority and power over him. In verse 7 to 9, we discover that his own strength was fading as he aged. He felt weak. And lastly, in verse 20, he summarizes his trials, it seems, and his tribulations, saying to God, you have made me seem troubles, many and bitter. So he was mourning, in a sense, all of his troubles. 
we see in this that people of faith, people of faith in our God have had these same fears, these same anxieties, these same troubles throughout the ages. This is the common experience of the faithful, those who belong to God by faith. So the question for us tonight is this, in, in what have you sought comfort? In what do you take refuge in strengthening support in times of need and trouble? And here the psalmist, he shows us that he has learned the truth that since he belongs to God, by way of covenant, since he belongs to the one true God, he says, in a sense, all things must work together for his salvation, as we read in the Heidelberg Catechism. The psalmist here knows what the Heidelberg Catechism will later declare in question and answer 26, that God will make whatever evils he sends upon me in this valley of tears to turn out for my advantage. He will turn them for our good. And so in the midst of all his troubles, the poet says in the beginning of this psalm, in you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. Give the command to save me for you are my rock and my fortress. And that, that lesson that the psalmist uh, is expressing in song is the one that we have to learn as well. And we can reflect even on this past year and all the challenges. At times it was indeed depressing, filled with trials and setbacks and difficulties. And in this past year, think of this. As you reflect on your own life and your own experience through it, what were the top three things that you turned to over and over again that you first turned to in order to comfort you in this past year? What were those things that your heart first ran to for refuge, for strength, to find comfort? Where did you rest your weary soul this past year? Was God's loving heart for you in Christ the top answer? Is that where you ran to over and over again, first and foremost? We all know that it should be, right? But it probably wasn't for all of us, or most of us. Perhaps some of us are there in maturity in our faith, but I think still... Most of us need to learn, all of us need to learn to grow in this, to take refuge in Christ and the promises of God for us in him, to find our comfort first and foremost in him. You know, we say and we sing with our mouths that we have no other comforts in this life. And we assent to it, we agree to it, but we don't always rely on him as our comfort, do we? In practical terms, not always. You see, it's not enough for us to simply assent to this truth, to believe it in our minds intellectually. We must learn to also rely on this comfort. We must not only have this comfort served on a platter before us, on a plate, but also learn how to take it into our mouths and savor it, to delight in the goodness of this comfort for us personally. We need to learn not only that belonging to Jesus is our only comfort, but we also need to experience that comfort more and more by faith. You think of this, it's like the difference between seeing a bed in a store and reading on a sign about its quotient of comfort ability. You know, you read how comfortable it is and you see the number. It's a 97, right? It has a ranking of 97 comfortability. And so we think, oh, that's comfortable. But that's very different than falling back into that bed and feeling the comfort yourself. And that's, that's where we need to be. 
We need to learn how to fall into this comfort that God has given us in Christ, to really feel how comfortable it is, to, to feel the comfort, the refuge that, that we have in Christ and in him alone. Because, well, all other realities, in a sense, will become unreal. He wants us to trust in his power, the power of his love, because all other loves will fail in the end. He wants us to rest in his heart because no other heart can love and care for us like his. And, you know, last week we saw together how God alone is worthy of our worship and he alone is also worthy of our resting in him for lasting comfort. No other comfort will do. No other comfort will endure forever. So God is telling us to find comfort in him. He's not asking you to work or to do something. Think of that. He's not telling you to work or do something. He's telling you to stop doing and start resting, to receive what he offers you, his comfort. To find comfort in your belonging to Jesus then means resting in Jesus' love and care for you. And so are you resting in his love and his care for you? How do we do that? In practical terms, we need to abide in his love by making use of the means of grace, what God has given us in the church the preaching of the gospel and the sacraments, there God is seeking to comfort us in mysterious and powerful ways by his promises. Also meditating individually in the word of God, studying and and reading God's word and, and seeking out the comfort that is in the gospel and the promises of God, enjoying the blessings of the gospel. There are other ways as well, prayerfully in prayer, as the psalmist is guiding us in this psalm itself, Praying and finding that fellowship with God in prayer and fellowshipping together as, as Christians, right? Sharing in this comfort, speaking about this comfort too and with one another. That Christ would be at the center of our conversations in this year ahead that we would together seek him out more and more and find comfort in him. So those are some practical ways that we might find comfort in Christ and rest in his love and care. You know, we need to stop tormenting our hearts with doubts, whether or not you are good enough for his approval. Instead, rest in his perfect love for you. Remember that he gave up his own son to die for you, knowing all your sins already. Why would he undo what Christ has already done for you? As surely as the father will always honor the son's sacrifice, so surely will the father always love and forgive you. Always. So stop anxiously as well, worrying about things in this life that you have no control over. And often that's what our anxiety is. We worry about things that we have no power over. Trust rather in his perfect care for you. As Jesus says, he cares for the sparrows and he knows and wills every hair to fall from our head. How much more does he care for us? He keeps our planet, think of this, our planet from spinning out of orbit. He keeps it exactly where it needs to be. He keeps the galaxies in their place. Much more is he able to keep you in all circumstances of your life. So in the midst of troubles, as the psalmist expresses here, his confidence, we need this confidence too. In verse 21, he says, you will increase my honor and comfort me once again. He has this hope that God will increase his honor and comfort him again what is the psalmist thinking of? What, what hope, what future comfort is he thinking of? Well, 
The same root word here for comfort in Hebrew, this verse, is found elsewhere in the Bible, including Isaiah 66, verse 10 to 13, where there God declares this. Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her. All you who love her, rejoice greatly with her. All you who mourn over her, for you will nurse and be satisfied at her comforting breast. You will drink deeply and delight in her overflowing abundance. For this is what the Lord says. I will extend peace to her like a river and the wealth of nations like a flooding stream. You will nurse and be carried on her arm and dandled on her knees. As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. So loved ones, this, one, this, this promise here in Isaiah, it speaks of God's future restoration of his people and earth as well. He says that he will draw comfort, or that we will draw comfort from God's restored city of peace, the heavenly Jerusalem, like an infant who is satisfied and at rest, drinking the milk from his mother's breast, that comfort, that peace, and he speaks of himself, God does, here as a mother that comforts his, her child in distress. So too does God comfort us in our distress. And think of this, the, the image of a child, a young infant at rest on his mother's chest is, is one of bliss and peace. You know, other than the, the uh, discomfort of gas that a, a little infant might have, um, the colickiness, right? Those times that we don't have memories of anymore, those times um, were perhaps our most peaceful and restful moments of our entire life when we were there on our mother's breast, resting at peace, without a care in the world. The child there resting and delighting in the goodness that he's drawing from his mother who loves him. And so Isaiah says that we too will find such blissful comfort such peace in the heavenly Jerusalem, in the new creation, drawing out the goodness of our loving God for us. And this is our comfort in life and in death as well. Though we mourn through life and all of its many troubles that, as the psalmist says, are bitter, are difficult, the Lord will honor us in the resurrection. As he says here in the psalm, from the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. You will restore my life again. Despite the many trials and troubles that are bitter, he will restore our life again from the depths of the earth. He will comfort us again. As Jesus declared, blessed are those in this life who mourn, for they will be comforted. There is a comfort, a future comfort that is for us in Christ in the resurrection and how is it that we will be so comforted? Do we deserve that? Not at all. Not at all. For our rebellion against God, we do not deserve such comfort. So how can we find comfort in life and in death? It is because Jesus came to be discomforted in our place. And we have to remember that time and time again. We can hope to be honored in glory on that last day because Jesus was shamed on the cross in our place. 
we have the hope and confidence that we will be granted entrance into the heavenly Jerusalem to be comforted by God himself because Jesus came to the earthly Jerusalem and was cast out and left to die alone as a criminal for us in our place, even forsaken by his own father, so that we might be taken in and comforted as God's own children. Because the father has restored the life of his son from the grave, resurrecting him, right? Honoring him by raising him up in glory, vindicating him for his righteousness and comforting his heart with words of praise, saying, you're my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Well done, my son. Because Jesus rose again from the dead, because of his victory, we have now the guarantee of that future comfort with him in glory. And so at the close, our hope in Christ is so much more than those little wishes that were thrown into the wind like confetti that were later, hours later, swept up and thrown into the trash. So much more. Our hope is sure. It is stable. It is tangible. It is touchable. It is the resurrected body of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, with whom we have eternal union by faith in him. As John says in his first letter, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. We see that our hope is tangible as tangible as the resurrected body of Christ. And he is coming back and he is our comfort. So let us lean on him and rest in him. But lastly, one other word to close. What should we do with this comfort other than resting in it and learning to rest and lean on him for comfort? Well, the apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So may we not only learn how to lean on him to find rest and comfort belonging to Jesus, our faithful Savior, but also may we be those who help others find comfort in Christ in their trouble, in their trials. Because as we looked at in the beginning, as that author of the Washington Post said, so many are in angst and can't find comfort in this life. So may each of us, by God's grace, take others gently and wisely by the hand to lead them to that comfort that we ourselves receive from God in Christ. Amen. Let's pray. We thank you, Father God, for this great and sure and stable and tangible comfort that we have in Christ, that we belong to him by faith, that because he was discomforted, because he was shamed, because he was cast out, you will now bring us in and you have promised to honor us and you will comfort us. In the great and last day, the resurrection, when Christ returns, all of these promises will come to their full fruition. And Lord, we ask that until then that you would teach us this year to 
lean on you all the more to rest in that comfort that we have and that we would lead others to it as well. Use us in these ways. We ask in Jesus' name for your glory. Amen.